Hi, this is Bob of Bob Sloan Audio Productions. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast yourself? Do you have a desire to communicate an idea, opinion, or even a hobby or interest you'd like to share with the world? And do you have the communication skill and dedication? If so, let's talk. Send an email and a short description of your idea to bob at bobsloan.com. That's bob at b-o-b-s-l-o-n-e dot com. Now let's get back to the podcast. Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome into More Than Medicine, and again, I'm Hannah Miller. I'm the host of The Hannah Miller Show, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Robert Jackson, on his show, More Than Medicine. And this week, we're again kind of deviating a little bit from dad's typical uh, Bible teaching lesson. We're going to continue to talk about COVID because things have gotten even more personal, and they've gotten more personal for dad and for our family, and so... We wanted to take another radio show and another podcast and some more time and discuss what's going on and specifically talking about ivermectin and the case for ivermectin from a medical doctor's perspective and from a believer's perspective and somebody who you've been practicing medicine for, again, almost 40 years now, and you have a good understanding of this medication. You've done a lot of research on it, too, in the past few weeks and in your with your understanding about COVID and you've got lots of patients that are coming in and have come in in the last year or two. So let's dive in and let's talk about it. Why this week have you decided, you know what, we need to talk about this? Well, Miss Hannah, tonight I'm, I'm going to share this because number one, I'm brokenhearted. And number two, I'm a bit angry. And I'm not an angry man. But there are some times in life when you have to have a little bit of righteous indignation in your heart. One of my patients, a very close friend, died yesterday. And I think she died needlessly. And it was because the hospital to which she was admitted refused to give her ivermectin. Ivermectin is a safe and effective medication. I believe that it goes a long way to reduce the inflammation caused by the COVID virus. And I had prescribed for her ivermectin. She received one dose. She was admitted to the hospital the very next day. And uh, the hospital refused to give her any more ivermectin. And I was distraught. Her family was distraught. Her husband asked every day for 10 days if the doctors would not prescribe for her ivermectin. And they declined, saying that it was not a part of their protocol. And ultimately, she died. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it was necessary. Now, I can't claim with certainty that the ivermectin would have salvaged this patient. But I can say with fair certainty that if we were to allow ivermectin to be distributed widely in our state, that many of the deaths that we are seeing in South Carolina would never occur. In fact, many of the cases of COVID that we see in our state would never occur. And I believe that I can substantiate mm-hmm. that with the rest of our presentation today. So the very first thing, tell our listeners about the history of ivermectin. 
Well, in 1975, uh, a professor in Japan, his name was Satoshi Omura, and he was employed at the Kitsato Institute in Japan. He isolated an unusual streptomyces bacteria from the soil near a golf course along the southeast coast of Honshu, Japan. Uh, Professor Amuro, along with William Campbell, found that the bacterial culture could cure mice infected with the roundworm. Uh, I'm going to have to see if I can practice this and say it correctly. Heligmosomoides polygyrus. Sounds right to me. <laughs> All right. Does that sound good to you? All right. Yep. So Campbell isolated the active compounds from the bacterial culture, naming them avermectins, not I, but avermectins, and the bacterium Streptomyces avermatilis for the compound's ability to clear mice of worms. Despite decades of searching around the world, the Japanese microorganism remains the only source of avermectin ever found. Well, ivermectin, a derivative of avermectin, then proved revolutionary. Originally introduced as a veterinary drug, it soon after made historic impacts in human health, improving the nutrition general health and well-being of billions, with a B, billions of people worldwide ever since it was first used to treat onchocerciasis, better known as river blindness, in humans in 1988. It went on to be used to treat lymphatic filariasis, diseases which blighted the lives of billions of the poor and disadvantaged throughout the tropics. Eventually, the Nobel Prize in medicine in 2015 was awarded to these two men for and and eventually became included in the in the World Health Organization's list of essential medications the ivermectin impact in controlling those two diseases was revolutionary revolutionary further it has also been used successfully in overcoming several other human diseases such as dengue fever yellow fever, and Zika virus. So that's a little bit of the history of ivermectin, where it came from, what it's been used for, and its success. So you're telling me that it's not just a horse dewormer? (laughs) No, it's not just a horse dewormer, as everybody's saying in the uh, the secular media, it's been used successfully to treat a number of human illnesses for a long time. And, and it's amazing how safe it is. It has mm-hmm. been prescribed billions of times annually, literally annually, and about one death per year is attributed to ivermectin. Now compare that to Tylenol, one of the safest over-the-counter medications around there are about 500 deaths per year attributed to Tylenol, and only one death per year attributed to ivermectin. It's very safe. It's very effective. And people don't think twice about taking Tylenol. No, nobody so, thinks twice you know, about it. So you should think even less about taking or prescribing, if you're a medical professional, prescribing ivermectin to somebody. That's right. And, and the secular media is constantly throwing shade on mm-hmm. ivermectin unnecessarily and inappropriately. 
That's right. So how exactly does ivermectin work? All right. Ivermectin is a very potent anti-inflammatory and a potent antiviral. Like I said, it's listed as one of the World Health Organization's essential medications. Uh, a recent review found that ivermectin reduced deaths, get this, by 75% mm. in treating COVID. Uh, it's antiviral activity against a wide range of RNA and some DNA viruses, for example, we listed them a minute ago, Zika, dengue fever, yellow fever, and some others. And one of the mechanisms of action is blocking the nuclear import of viral proteins. It has protease activity for those out there who are, have a little bit of biochemical background. I, I would like to say that developing new medications can take years of time. And identifying existing drugs that can be repurposed against COVID-19 that already have an established safety profile, like ivermectin does, through decades of use, could play a critical role in suppressing or even ending the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. And so I think that it's important for us to look at ivermectin, understand how it works, that it's a potent anti-inflammatory, that it's effective antiviral, and finding ways that it can be used while there is research going on in other antiviral medications. Mm -hmm. So what are what's some of the real-world data that's supporting ivermectin that you've seen? All right. Well, this is important. I mean, for just the studies, there are studies out there that support the use of ivermectin. For example, there's 42 randomized control trials out there, both randomized and observational control trials that support the use of mm -hmm. ivermectin. In fact, the National Institute of Health in February said that they could not advise for or against the use of ivermectin and that there needed to be more studies. Well, in fact, there have been four more very good studies conducted in the United States since February that support the use of ivermectin. There's been some criticism of these other studies that I mentioned a moment ago because they were not U.S. studies. But there have been four very good quality studies since February in the United States that support the use of ivermectin for the treatment of COVID. But let's look at the real-world data. Now, this is very important. For example, in the state of Uttar Pradesh mm -hmm. in India, there are 240 million people who live in that one state. That's 75% of the population of the United States. Back in March of this year, mm -hmm. their COVID pandemic mirrored that of the rest of the world. And they were experiencing thousands of deaths per day mm -hmm. from the pandemic. Their government in that one state decided that they would issue COVID emergency kits that contained vitamins, mm -hmm. ivermectin, a thermometer, and a few other items to every citizen in their state. And within 45 days, their number of deaths dropped to two to four per day in the entire state. Mm -hmm. 
And the thing about that that's so miraculous is that if you understand India and this specific state of Uttar Pradesh, you understand this is an incredibly populated area. There is no such thing as social distancing there. You also understand that the hygiene there is not what we have here in the Western world. So a lot of the things that we have touted here in the United States doing the social distancing, the hand washing, the sanitization, the mask wearing, all of that is literally an impossibility in these in this country, in this state, right. uh, in India. And so and yet they have now declared themselves COVID free. COVID free as of yesterday. As, as of yesterday, they announced themselves COVID free in Uttar Pradesh. Again, a state with 240 million people. Issuing that, a kit that only costs like yes. less than two or three dollars per kit. That's right. And just for our listeners' sake, for you guys to have a little bit more context when we're talking about the United States versus Uttar Pradesh, when you're talking about vaccinated, you have in the United States, 60% of our population is now vaccinated. Well, what about Uttar Pradesh? Uh, it's somewhere between five and 6%. Do you hear me? It's about five and a half percent of their entire population is vaccinated. Well, what about COVID positivity right now? What's what's their rate for that? Uh, it's in the United States, 7.6 percent. And in Uttar Pradesh, it's 0.01 percent COVID positivity there. And then last thing, what about active COVID cases? Well, here in the United States, we have as of September 30th, 130,000 cases. And in the week before that, just 112,000 active cases. I mean, it skyrocketed in just that week. Well, what about Uttar Pradesh? As of the same day, they had 199 cases. And again, this is a massive state that has very similar demographic as far as how many people live there. But yet again, way more crowded than the United States. I mean, you're talking about a much smaller uh, state as far as the land mass mass than the entirety of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so these numbers are just more to back up this ivermectin this drug versus some of the other things that we've been doing that in there they were they meant nothing until they started giving out because isn't it true as well that they quit giving out the ivermectin in uttar pradesh and then cases this is peru that's was that peru Uh, we're going to go talk about all right now we're all right we're talking about peru next (laughs) in in peru in march of this year Mm -hmm. their pandemic was the same as all the countries around them Mm-hmm. Lots of people dying from COVID. And then their country decided to distribute widely ivermectin. Mm-hmm. Within 30 to 45 days, same as in Uttar Pradesh, their p- pandemic essentially disappeared. And that continued for several months. And then guess what happened? They had an administration change. The administration abandoned the ivermectin distribution program, and within two to three months, their pandemic once again escalated to the same levels as before the ivermectin distribution program, and their levels of COVID mirrored that of the countries around them. Well, the the, the new administration came to its senses. They began to distribute the ivermectin kits Again, and within 30 to 45 days, once again, the COVID case rate plummeted to almost zero in Peru. 
just demonstrating the effectiveness of distributing ivermectin to the general population. Well, it's not just Peru. Look at Mexico City. Once again, in the early part of this year, Mexico City, their hospitals were filled to capacity with people sick and severely ill with COVID. The the, uh, leadership in Mexico City decided to distribute uh, these very same ivermectin kits to the entire population of Mexico City. Now, remember, Mexico City is one of the most populous mm-hmm. cities in the world. So, again, the social distancing is an impossibility. That's right. And, you and know. vaccines were not available. Mm-hmm. None of that. There was no X factor to confuse mm-hmm. the picture. Within 30 to 45 days, again, same as in Peru, same as in Uttar Pradesh, Their hospitals were emptied out and they were down to less than 20% capacity because of one thing, distributing the ivermectin package to their entire population. Mm -hmm. That's real world data. We haven't even had time for all of these big randomized controlled studies to be conducted. Mm-hmm. People in these other countries aren't waiting on that. They're mm-hmm. concerned about their citizens. They're doing whatever it takes. And people in the United States, I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what their issue is. They're not seeing the light. They're not looking at what's happening in the rest of the world, and they're letting people die in these hospitals because they have CDC-inaugurated protocols that do not allow their doctors to prescribe ivermectin, that do not allow patients that are clamoring for ivermectin to be utilized. And I'm telling you, Miss Hannah, it's criminal, and it's allowing people to die like my patient who died yesterday for the lack of early treatment with ivermectin. Well, I know one of the questions that people are asking is, you know, okay, so it's not approved because that's what that's what all of these and I'm putting air quotes around this yeah. medical experts are saying, you know, is that ivermectin is not a part of their protocol, that it's not, you know, FDA approved for this. So, what does it take for the FDA to approve a medication? Well, I want people to understand that about 40% of medications that are approved by the FDA have only one randomized control trial to justify their approval or only expert opinion. Hmm. 40% of medications that are approved by the FDA are approved on the basis of expert opinion or only one randomized control trial. And I want you to understand that ivermectin has over 40 randomized and observational mm-hmm. control trials. And even without that, we just went through three different countries, states, cities that have had positive. And again, it's a medication that's essentially harmless. That's right. Does it matter? It, I mean, what, what do people have to lose? Yeah, what are we waiting on? What do on? doctors have to mm-hmm. lose? When I used to take care of ICU and coronary care unit patients 25 years ago, we would try anything. Mm-hmm. We didn't live and die by a protocol. We didn't worship a protocol. 
We were the practitioners of the art and science of medicine. We would try anything that we thought might work to help our patients survive. Mm -hmm. And I've listened to doctors say over and over in the last few weeks and months, it's not a part of the protocol, as if a protocol is a sacred cow. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. And if there are doctors and hospital administrators out there listening to me, I'm telling you, in the strongest of terms, a protocol is not a sacred cow. Our patients are sacred, and we should do whatever it takes to help preserve the lives of our patients. Well, on that note, why do you think that there is a pushback against ivermectin? Well, remember last December in January when there was so much pushback against hydroxychloroquine? Oh, yeah, sure. And everybody attributed it to the political pushback against Donald Trump because mm-hmm. he promoted hydroxychloroquine. Right. Well, I want you to know it had nothing to do with Donald Trump. It had everything to do with the two vaccines that were being pushed yeah. by Pfizer and Moderna. Those vaccines were not able to get an emergency use authorization because they were completely untested and inadequately vetted. They would never get their emergency use authorization if there was a safe and effective alternative like hydroxychloroquine. Mm -hmm. They had to throw hydroxychloroquine under the bus and say that it was not safe and not effective in order for them to get their emergency use authorization. And once they got that EUA, nobody said anything more negative about hydroxychloroquine. It was just like it disappeared. Mm -hmm. Well, now the same thing is happening to ivermectin. Why? Because Merck, who happens to manufacture ivermectin, is throwing their own product under the bus because they have a new oral antiviral that's coming out. It's called Molnupiravir. I'll say that again, Molnupiravir, it costs $700 a a tablet, has to be taken twice a day. It also is inadequately vetted and tested. They want an EUA for that product as well, and they'll never get it, never get it, as long as ivermectin is declared safe and effective. That's one of the things I'm so glad you touched on because I literally just saw this the other day and I wanted, I about lost my mind with this person, but I didn't, I didn't open my mouth, you know, because I just, I knew if I did, I, you know, I'd probably say something I would regret, but they were going on about how, why would these, you know, pharmaceutical companies be attacking ivermectin when they make money off of ivermectin? They don't make enough like, money. They don't make enough money. That's exactly right. Money. They make, I mean, it's, it's, um, what is it called? My mind just went totally blank. Um, there's no. No. Um, oh, man, my mind just went blank. But essentially, yes, you're right. They don't make enough money off of it. Um, and so, and again, and I, and I wanted to tell her, look, they're coming out with their own version of essentially the same thing. Right. And it's just way more expensive. Way more expensive. Exactly. And, right. You uh, always follow the money. That's right. Always follow the money. And Merck stands to make a fortune on molnupiravir that they Mm -hmm. cannot make on ivermectin. Even Mm -hmm. though in the last three weeks, the price of ivermectin has gone from Mm -hmm. $5 a prescription to $200 a prescription. Mm -hmm. And my patients are screaming about that increase in the price. But even that increase is not going to compare to $1,400 a day for an Mm -hmm. oral antiviral. 
Well, what are the obstacles to ivermectin's use? Well, the obstacles to use are hospital protocols, CDC-initiated hospital protocols that are no more valid than anything else. How do you get a protocol? Protocols start with experimental protocols. And how do you get an experimental protocol? Well, it starts with two smart, astute, observant doctors who look around and say, hey, let's try this. Let's see if it works. And if it works, they say, hey, we'll try it on two or three more patients. And if it works, then they say, well, we'll just start a little study with 10 or 15 or 20 patients. And what starts as a small study then becomes an experimental protocol. And if it really works, then it becomes an established protocol. But it all starts with an, a creative, innovative, observant doctor who tries something new. And ivermectin is not new. It's been around for decades, 40 years. It's just being repurposed. It's being tried for something new. And there's no reason for doctors not to repurpose ivermectin to treat a, a, a viral illness. And listen, the National Institute of Health identified ivermectin as a potent antiviral many years ago. This is not new. It's not a new utilization of ivermectin. Well, the other, the other obstacle is the cost of, of, of ivermectin. It's gone up significantly in the last three weeks. And then there's a limited supply. It was not limited until just recently. The pharmacies tell me that the federal government is limiting the supply of ivermectin. Now, why would they do that? I, I'm just telling you, I don't fully understand. Oh, you really? <laughs> I just don't fully understand. So wh- why do you think all of this is happening? Well, I think the real issue is control. I think that there are folks at the very top who want to control our culture. They want to control you and me. It's not about a vaccine. It's not about ivermectin. The whole issue is controlling the population. It's not about COVID-19. No, it's not about COVID. It's it's the issue of the losing of your and my freedom. There are people Mm -hmm. out there who want to control you and me. It's not about masks. It's not about lockdowns. It's not about vaccine mandates. It's not even about hospital protocols. It's about controlling your life and mine. And secondly, it's about greed. There are people out there who stand to make a lot of money with the mm-hmm. vaccines, with the new oral antivirals, and there's there's greed out there. And that's why it is so criminal that they're not allowing folks like myself to, to prescribe ivermectin, and they're interfering in the doctor-patient relationship. And it's so sad because I know there's a lot of doctors out there who really care about their patients, but they're playing into the hands of and uh, and giving a pass to those who are so greedy because they're not paying attention to what's going on in the world with the usage of ivermectin. So last question, what do you recommend? If I were king for a day, (laughs) have you heard me say that? I've heard you say that. (laughs) If I were king for a day, Miss Hannah, I would make ivermectin available to every citizen, every adult citizen in South Carolina. I would make it available to every adult in the United States. Mm-hmm. And we would be like Uttar Pradesh in 30 to 45 days. COVID would disappear. Now, there would be some really sick people left over because it's too late for them. They're, they're in the ICUs, and I don't mm-hmm. think we could help them. But as far as the people who haven't gotten COVID, mm-hmm. we would be able to eliminate 
in 35 to 45 days, the pandemic in the United States by the widespread distribution of the ivermectin kits that they used in Uttar Mm -hmm. Pradesh. The physiology of people in the United States is no different from the physiology Mm -hmm. of the folks that live in Uttar Pradesh or Mexico City or Peru. Mm -hmm. And if our lawmakers would just wake up and make a decision to give ivermectin kits to every adult in the United States, it wouldn't take us long, but we would eliminate COVID as a pandemic in the United States. If I were king for a day, I would make it the rule that everybody would have a kit and they would take a ivermectin dose once a week from now until it all disappears. That's what mm-hmm. I would do. Well, and you have to contrast that against the fact that I was looking at the data today and every country that has a high vaccination rate has the highest case number of COVID positivity that they've ever had since the start of this pandemic. If you if you're in a country that has a high rate of vaccination, a high percentage of your population vaccinated, you have the highest rate of COVID in in the history of the COVID-19 pandemic right right now. So what does that tell you about right now in Uttar Pradesh? They're saying at the same time, 5.5% of our population is is vaccinated, but we're COVID free. I mean, just look at the difference there and what does it harm to try? There is no harm in trying and we need to do it. That's right. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information on how to contact the Jackson family, To schedule a speaking engagement or how to obtain Dr. Jackson's books, go to jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast was produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.